Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The Bigger Picture, only on Money FM 89.3. All right, it's time for The Bigger Picture. I'm Imad Akhtar. Now, we've nearly come to the end of what's been an action-filled 2023 with respect to global markets. And it seems a good time to reflect on this year's performance, the good, the bad, the ugly even, as well as what investors should look out for in 2024. To help me with this reflection exercise, I have on the line with me Vasu Menon, who's the Managing Director for Investment Strategy at OCBC Bank. Vasu, I trust you had a good Christmas. I had a fantastic Christmas. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Good to have you on, Vasu, to talk about the year that's been. Let's kick things off with your opinion on some of the more significant events, shall we say, that impacted market movements for 2023. The ones that come to my mind, obviously, are the performance of the mega cap tech stocks, as well as the banking crisis earlier in the year. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, uh, it has been a very eventful 2023. If you recall, many investors started the year dreading a recession, and we've never had a recession. I mean, the economies have done relatively well. And I think investors have been surprised generally by the rally in the stock market in 2023. And stock markets have done fairly well, primarily because, you know, of the rally in the last two months of this year, in November and December, Mm. right? We had, as you said earlier, you know, we had the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. But, you know, initially markets feared a contagion, but it did not happen because, you know, the U.S. uh, policymakers stepped in, swift action. Bond yields in the U.S. did fall from 4% to 3.3% during the crisis. But then, you know, things turned around and uh, U.S. 10-year bond yields went from 3.3% to 5%. Mm. on the back of expectations that, you know, economy is doing fairly well in the U.S., no recession. In fact, the economy is chucking along quite nicely. Inflation was an issue. And that resulted in higher bond yields and it affected stock markets negatively for a period between August and October. But in the last couple of months of the year, yields came down. The battle against inflation looked like, you know, something the Fed win. And that caused a big rally in the stock market. So the markets have been doing quite a bit this year. And as you said, one of the star performance has been technology, the introduction of ChatGPT in November, resulted in a wave of interest in artificial intelligence and the Mega 7. I mean, if you look at the S&P 500, 65% of its gains so far this year has been led by the Magnificent 7, as you said, and many of those stocks have been driven by the AI fever. Yeah, you mentioned AI as well as the growth stocks, tech stocks doing well. What were some of the sectors that didn't perform as expected for this year? As we said, you know, the tech stock did extremely well. Just to put things in perspective before we go on to the sectors that that did not do as well, Mm. uh, the MSCI Technology Index rallied 51 percent or has rallied 51% year-to-date. That's like exceptional compared to any other sector. You can find the MSCI indices. So really, tech has done extremely well. The sectors that have not done well are really sectors that are vulnerable to the economy and interest rates. So the real estate sector has not done well because interest rates have gone up significantly. The Fed fund rate went up by 100 basis points this year between February of this year and July of this year, and that hurt the real estate sector. The other sector that you know felt the pain was the energy sector. Ironically, the energy sector did very well in 2022, up 41%. Mm. But when it came to 2023, oil prices were volatile, extremely volatile. Concerns about recession, slower growth, you know, the slowdown in China, supply issues, all that weight on oil prices. So oil prices were very volatile, but, you know, they've come off 18% from the peak in September this year, and they're down 8% year to date. And so that's affected energy stocks as well. 
Okay. Some of the other top investment themes for 2023, perhaps Japan emerging as a hit for investors, the revival of Bitcoin as well. What's your take on those two elements? I think when it comes to Bitcoin, we are a bit more careful with the theme because, I mean, Bitcoin prices have more than doubled so far in 2023. And a lot of that we feel is speculation. I mean, speculation about Bitcoin potential for fund managers, global fund managers to basically embrace Bitcoin in time to come. But, you know, it's very speculative. So I'll be careful with Bitcoin. The rally is in very, very strong. As far as Japan is concerned, that we like. We think that, you know, Japan has more upside. We have an overweight on Japanese equities. Mm. You know, the economy is doing fairly well. We don't think the BOJ is going to be too aggressive in uh, normalizing policy. They'll probably do one or two moves in 2024. But other than that, they're still worried about deflation. Japan is in deflation for a long, long time. And so they're not going to do anything aggressive like what the Fed or the ECB or the BOE has done. So, yeah, you could expect some degree of normalization. So monetary policy is going to be accommodative towards Japanese equities. And on top of that, corporate Japan is going through some reforms, quite significant reforms. That also augurs well for the Japanese equity market. So you're right, spot on. I think Japan is one of the markets that will probably do well in 2024, but don't expect spectacular returns. I mean, Japan has done well already, you know, so far this year, but I think there's more gains to be had. All right, let's turn to the proverbial elephant in the room. Now, you mentioned investors were surprised by the rally in the stock markets. Another surprising element was the disappointing comeback of China from pandemic restrictions. As of the 20th of this month, the MSCI China index was down more than 14% for the year. Over 70 billion odd US dollars was wiped out from the value of its real estate stocks. So obviously that reopening revival failed to materialize, Vasu. What can we expect in the coming year? We are keeping a very close watch on China. The interesting part about China is that, as you said, the markets performed very badly. I mean, they've been hammered quite badly, not just in 2023, but also in 2022, if you recall. Cast your mind back to 2022, the MSCI China index fell by more than 20%. So the additional decline you just spoke about, you know, of more than 15% so far this year, makes it, you know, almost close to a 40% decline in Chinese equity markets. Mm. And that means that valuations among Chinese equities are not expensive at all. Expectations are very low. It's under-owned to some extent. And, you know, the government has been announcing stimulus, no big bang, in drips and drafts, but put together collectively, relatively significant. But the elephant in the room, as you said, is the real estate sector. That's still struggling until it finds some stability. I think investors will not have enough confidence to jump headlong into the markets. But I think if you're a long-term investor with a very strong risk appetite, then I think it still makes sense for, you know, you to have some degree of exposure to Chinese equities, Mm. manage exposure within a diversified portfolio, not individual stocks, but perhaps a fund where you have a more diversified exposure to Chinese equities. But, you know, clearly China is something you want to keep on your radar because expectations are low, prices are depressed. When the tide turns, you know, the returns can be quite spectacular. All right. Lots happening in the commodities front as well. There's been a lot of turmoil within OPEC with Angola's exit potentially impacting the internal stability of the bloc. The Wall Street Journal published an article recently saying that oil is losing its mojo on Wall Street. What is happening with OPEC? Well, you know, OPEC is in somewhat of a disarray, but, you know, I think players like Angola will not completely tip the apple card. Mm. I think, you know, OPEC will be able to find some degree of stability eventually. I think OPEC is trying to put a floor at $80 a barrel on oil. Of course, it's not worth, you know, oil has fallen below $80 a barrel. WTI, I believe, is 73. Brent is 80 or 79 right now. We think that oil prices have room to hit slightly higher from where they are right now. We see $80 to $85 a barrel as the level oil prices will end in at the end of 2024. What's happening right now is, you know, there's a bit of 
supply, quite a bit of supply in the market. But we think that, you know, OPEC will find the will to impose greater discipline, you know, and also the geopolitical tensions within the Middle East may also impact oil supply, perhaps negatively, especially if Iran is embroiled in the whole saga, in which case, you know, oil will find some degree of support. We don't see oil prices collapsing or rallying mm. sharply. We think 80 to 85 is where it'll settle in the next 12 months. Not the most exciting commodity, but, you know, we think that the geopolitical dynamics and the dynamics within OPEC to ensure that there's some kind of a flaw, because, you know, OPEC members do benefit from oil prices, will prevent it from skyrocketing upwards or overshooting on the downside. Okay, you mentioned geopolitical tensions. They've also had an impact on developments in the Red Sea. So obviously, diversion of routes away from the Suez Canal to the Cape of Good Hope has caused rather widespread disruptions in global supply chains. Freight rates have increased, insurance rates have increased. Your thoughts on how this may unfold heading into the next year? Well, you know, it's clearly something that you want to keep in focus at this point in time. But at the same time, I think it's interesting. In the last 24 hours, you have developments where AP Mola, Merck, the world's second largest container shipping line, has come out to say that it is preparing to resume shipping through the Red Sea thanks to a new multinational maritime task force, right, led by the U.S. to protect vessels from attacks by the Houthi rebels uh, from Yemen. So, you know, I mean, there's a glimmer of hope there. I mean, the fact that the U.S. and its allies is providing some degree of protection is giving confidence to large shipping lines like MERS to start thinking about going back into the Red Sea. So it's not all gloom and doom, but you're right. The problem there is not going to be resolved immediately. It'll take time. Even if there's a maritime task force overlooking the Red Sea, I think not all vessels will go back into the Red Sea given the risk over there. So yes, there are going to be some supply disruptions. If they're short term, it's fine. But if this persists, then you know the risk for the markets is that inflation could come back to the fore front because supply disruptions had fueled inflationary pressures previously but if they don't go away soon enough then inflation could come back to the forefront and scare investors once again all right vasu thank you so much for that very very insightful overview of how markets performed this year and what we can expect moving into the next year it's been a pleasure having you on the show thank you for having me on the show all right that was vasu menon managing director for investment strategy of ocbc bank stay with money fm 89.3 before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.